Oh, hey, I'm glad you're here. If you're like me, you're constantly searching for films. If I hear or read about something, I just have to see it. It consumes me, and sometimes it's only for one scene. You've heard me talk about the shark in Atank, the crazy ghost cat of Evil Cat, throwing crocodiles in Crocodile Fury. It's not in an effort to know all the cool things or to be cool and in the know. It's very much in service of people. So when I talk to someone and they say they like something like munchies, I can recommend Gakidama. See, there's so much great and weird stuff in the world, and we can always celebrate that by sharing. And that's what is at the heart of this episode. Well, that and that my guest and I recorded it while doing constant roundhouses. So if you hear what sounds like wind, it's actually our windbreakers as we bust dope moves in the face of danger. So let's get to it. The film is undefeatable. The guest is Brady Kimball. And this is VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns. and welcome to VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns, our casual conversational format where we champion what's bringing us joy in all walks of the entertainment realms. Why did that sound like a question? Before we make a late return to a forgotten gem, I'm your host, Dirk Marshall, and my partner in celluloid for this episode is Brady Kimball. Thank you for being here. Hello. Brady's one-third of the Solid Six podcast. How are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. How are you? Oh, you know what? I wasn't ready for you to ask me that. I'm doing fine. Good. Yes. Good. Well, I have a surprise. Okay. I brought hook swords. Oh, no. (laughs) I haven't been practicing. Keep things fresh and interesting. Is that what they're called? I don't know. I think so. I had no clue, but I love that they're in what we're about to talk about. Solid Six Podcast, Solid6.net for all your Solid Six Podcast needs. Mm -hmm. For those who might be new, maybe this is just their first time listening what is Solid Six Podcast? Yeah, it's a podcast where Josh, Allison, and I basically do double features about a theme, and each theme varies wildly. This most recent is Making Your Past, where I cover my Winnipeg and stories we tell. Josh is going to be covering heavy metal. Oh. So, like, heavy metal parking lot oh. and trick-or-treat. So, okay. that shows you the wild swings that the show can take. Either or. For everybody or nobody, can't quite tell <laughs> from the stats yet. <laughs> oh, stats are wild. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Great. Well, let's get right into new releases, and we'll start off with print. Anything you are currently reading? You know, I'm pretty boring on this subject. Right now, I'm reading some stuff about the vagus nerve and my nervous system, oh. just to like get in touch with my body. Okay. But other than other, <laughs> I'm touching my body while yes. I get oh. in touch with it. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I am basically just trying to figure out what's going on as I get older. Weird, tingly sensations and pain and all sorts of stuff. So Yeah, I hear you. Getting old is so great. Just today, had to go pee and then forgot if I'd gone. <laughs> I was like, is this a ghost pee feeling I'm having or did I not go? And spoiler alert, I didn't go. So then I went. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Are you sure you don't have a UTI? I don't. No, I've never had one. Okay. Yeah. You know, my wife has a spicy sauce business. And when you have something like that, people come up and just tell you about their digestive issues. It's ah. very fun because they ah. come up and they're like, I like spicy food. And then they hold their stomach and they go, but, and I'm mm. like, you don't have to, you just don't need to. I ah. don't know you. Why are you telling yes. me this? And then we were next to, I thought we had it the worst. 
we were next to an organic cranberry juice company and all they heard about was UTIs all day. And I was like, I guess I'll take diarrhea stories all day. <laughs> Not that bad. I thought you were going to tell stories about people accidentally touching various parts of their body with spices on their fingers. No, that's very rare. And it's usually their eyes. Although a drunk guy at like a OMSI after dark sometimes will tell you something like that. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's a very specific type of person. Yes. And I feel like all of you listening, if you picture him, you're correct. Mm. Me when I'm older. Yes. Oh, even older. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm reading After the World Ends, When Post-Apocalyptic Movies Were Telling the Future. Ah, uh, yes. From Pulse Video. It's one of my favorite genres mm -hmm. is this. It always has been since I was a kid in my dad's video store. Movies like Warriors of the Wasteland, Wired to Kill. I mean, anything where people are wearing shoulder pads but not in a sports-related situation and shooting wrist crossbows, it's my favorite thing in the world. So just flipping through and looking at the pictures. Mm -hmm. I am reading some of the words, but just the pictures yeah. alone, it's what I needed. So Did you get this with the uh, Severin bundle? I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got this at the same time I bought World Gone Wild, which is another apocalypse movie book, and I, I love both of them. I love what they do with their bundles because they release a theme and then will release a book yeah. or pair with somebody that does a book. So they did that Cannibal Holocaust Diodato book. Yep. They did one on, did they do one during the Cool Jaws release? Yeah. Yeah. I have it right up there. It's the novelization top shelf. So fun. Yeah. What label should do that. I agree. I love it. I couldn't pass up Cool Jaws as a book. Mm. I had to read that just to see if it's insert shark from this movie. <laughs> Which it doesn't, it doesn't do that. But it's a fantastic book, both of them, actually. Cool. I highly recommend them. Which brings us to music. Yes. Let's talk music, Brady. <sighs> Let's talk music. So I've had a bit of a drought in 2021, mm -hmm. but then as things have opened up psychologically, it's allowed me to get back in touch. So good thing I didn't sell all my records, and my wife told me not to. Thank you for keeping me from my 2021 malaise. Yes blind sell but yeah i've been listening to a couple different things one was early gang of four yeah yeah so Hell they're coming yeah. to portland in a little bit been listening to their first two albums specifically mm -hmm. i listened to entertainment a lot years ago but yep. i don't know solid gold as well so i've been listening to that all that punk stuff with funk mm -hmm. bass lines you know i love big boys i think Minutemen kind of did this a bit and the guitar sound is obviously a fugazi or job box later so i'm really excited excited to see them as old men which i didn't know they were nervous. coming where are yeah. they gonna play crystal okay my wife just got us tickets to see bauhaus and they're coming nice i've never seen bauhaus but i've seen peter murphy a number of times so i'm looking forward to that as well but i would really like to see gang of four sold out i'm guessing no probably oh, really not. probably oh. not I'll check it out then. They put out a remix album in the early 2000s. I don't know if you heard that, but mm -mm. it's like classic Gang of Four tracks, but all remix when the resurgence of the indie garage kind of yeah, thing yeah, going yeah. on. Very fun stuff. Can't, I don't remember the name of it. It's somewhere behind you. I yeah, show. yeah. But I love Gang of Four. Very different vein. I'll be talking about Freak Angel, which is a <laughs> band from Estonia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How the Ghost Became is a 2020 album. Basically, it's like death metal vocals, but with dark electro-industrial type stuff going on. Mm -hmm. They're interesting because they started out as the torture tech EBM stuff, where he would be like painted white and strip all his clothes off and be hairless, but with black eyeliner on and just screeching over synths. So like the guitarist in Mad Max Fury Road? 
The yeah. shooting flame guitars? Kind of, but like slightly more androgynous feminine. Okay. And then as their band has changed over the years, he added a guitarist. And then he got more into like the, the look of metal rockabilly style, whatever mm-hmm. you call it, where they have the denim jacket with no sleeves, yep. t-shirts and spikes and things. Anyway, this album, it's really good. It's very, if you like metal and are looking for something different or you don't mind some industrial in your metal, I highly recommend Freak Angel for that reason. Sometimes in the winter, I need something that's just really aggressive and bombastic. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they're saying. It's just crazy and, right. and loud. And that's what they do, I think, really well. Yeah, those Baltic countries, I have a friend from Latvia, and he's turned me on to all sorts of Latvian music. Cool. And there's a very common pagan yes. undercurrent of Super everything. Super <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Is, does Estonia have its own language or is it mostly Russian? That's a great question. Hmm. Not one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in to Dirk and I's yeah. new Estonian podcast. Yes. Coming soon. There's another one, Bedless Bones, and it's female fronted. I think it's just actually one person from Estonia and it's electronic and it's kind of minimal techno, slower on the BPM, but very sparse nine mm-hmm. minute pieces type of stuff. Also from Estonia and both, I think, have cold elements to them. So I don't know if that's an Estonian trait in their art, but I'm a big fan. Cool. What else you got? Anything? Also, the Jazz is Dead series. This is a record label that is created by Adrian Young and what shoot Tribe Called Quest, not the Q-Tip guy, (laughs) not Q-Tip, Ali Shabir Muhammad. Okay. Yeah. So they created this label and their main vision is to find lesser known jazz musicians and record new albums with them. So Adrian Young's done a bunch of different really lush production. Like he did a couple of Ghostface albums, Ghostface Kill albums, a Souls of Mischief album, but he's got great production chops and they have a backing band and work with these lesser known jazz musicians. So it's fun to hear their new album and then go back to these discographies of musicians from all over the jazz spectrum that aren't just US based, but also other countries. And it's not just jazz. It can be also kind of like jazz reflected disco or whatever. And so some of them are covers of the songs that they created back in the seventies, but a lot of it is new music that's commissioned by the record label to bring these people out of retirement in a way. So it's fantastic. And my OCD brain loves loves the fact that the albums are numbered so they're up to 10 (laughs) that helps and so one through nine were series one it ended with 10 being a remix album from contemporary producers that we would all uh, recognize and then 11's coming out soon and it's going to be another i think 10 albums so jazz is dead jazz is dead yeah highly recommend it awesome my next one is lone just put out an Mm. album called always inside your head have you heard it no i haven't heard it yet it's really great. I mean, I buy loan stuff, sight unseen. It's just always great. I mean, any stuff that's IDM is probably my jam. Yeah. And I'm probably going to buy it on vinyl as well as have the digital codes or whatever. But this is great. It's classic IDM vibes, early warp record style. It's not abrasive. It's great for writing. If you want something that you can put on in the background that has some movement and fluidity to it. So it's not just a repetitive thing over and over and over, but it's not going to interrupt your writing. Loan, always inside your head just came out i think i figured out this year that the music that came out from like 97 to 99 is like the sweetest pocket of time for me Mm. and i think because it was around the time where i had my first apartment i think it's that age i don't know but there's certain feelings i get from the vinyl that i have from that period and especially the the idm stuff that i love it so much (laughs) i'm so cozy in it i think i'm ready to return to my roots from 20 years ago it's been a while because i've 
over time just gone further and further back. So a lot of my taste has been like kind of the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Anything contemporary is obscure electronic production based stuff but for me my age the mid 2000s yeah there's a lot of great music that i just kind of leave there just be like that's that time and place but maybe it's time it's good to go back to some stuff i had a sweet trip-hop section there's a pair called monk and contella and they get a thank you on the first i think portishead album because they kind of inspired that sound i believe and i have everything they put out and I have most of, I think, Cup of Tea is a label out of Bristol that put out a ton of this trip-hop stuff. And I love that sound. It's the early hip-hop stuff, not super early, but where they're sampling jazz records, talking about Tripod Quest and yeah. stuff like that. I love that sound, the instrumental type of thing that, they, that was happening, the sampling of actual jazz drums and then yeah. reverb on... It's just like, ugh, I love it. <laughs> and so... Yeah, Moax is another label yeah. that I was just like, I have to buy all of this. And Did you see the documentary about him? Yeah. Is it any good? Yeah. I saw the trailer and I was like, this seems like my jam. Anything else? Yeah, the AJ Suede and Televangel album. I don't know what this is. Yeah, Televangel, excuse me. So Televangel is Young God, a.k.a. one half of Blue Sky Black Death, who is an exceptional no, None duo. of these words you Yeah, saying. fantastic production. <laughs> I think is this really Estonia? Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> I think you'd really like Blue Sky Black Death. They have okay. very lush production, and it's all sampled with some guitars and synth. Very sweeping. But they broke up, and he took on this moniker of Televangel, and he's working with the rapper, AJ Suede. And there's a lot of great rap that's already come out this year, but that, to me, is my favorite just because the production's got this kind of woozy feel to it. There's a genre called cloud rap that was really popular like 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 to 15 years ago so this is hearkening to that laid-back ethereal style i highly recommend it to most people i don't know if you're into rap at all i'm actually about to talk about some rap let's do it okay mr oizo yes put out an album with fra and crookers called voila have you heard it no but i didn't know he worked with rappers yeah, so it's French hip-hop, Okay. so that's already in my jam, where I just have no idea what's being said. Mm-hmm. But it's the production of our guy, Mr. Oizo, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the crookers are bringing to the table, but they're there. I'm glad they're helping out. Cheering from the sidelines. Yeah, but I was so excited when I was just like, every once in a while I'll just be like, what's Mr. Oizo up to? Because there's so many great artists that unless you look for them, you might not hear that they put out something. Yeah. And even on some of the music websites I go to, they don't mention this, a new French rap album with Mr. Oizo involved. Okay. Got a cover of Hot in here, but it's in French. The Nelly song? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's real weird. But super fun. I highly recommend it to people. I was telling Josh when he was here that I love Deichkind, which is like a German hip-hop group, electro group. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea what they're saying most of the time either. But I like the feeling of what it is. And the production is great. Then I'm going to listen to it over and over and over. And the production's great. Nice. Yeah. If you like French hip hop, you'd like the label Institubes. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've heard of the label. Yeah. So I think the most famous rapper was Pero One. Yes. yes. I know Pero One. Yeah. Not personally. <laughs> How weird would <laughs> that be? He's been on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. Now, I thought that Quentin... Diplou? Yeah, Diplou, he had stopped making music and he was doing movies now, so this is a surprise to me. Well, he he didn't stop making music because he was doing the soundtracks for a lot of the movies. So he did Rubber, Wrong Guys, Wrong Cops. Is that what it's called? Don't know. There's Rubber and everything else. Okay. In my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mandibles, I think he did some of the soundtrack for that one at least. Anyway, so he has been, he hasn't stopped. Cool. Who knows what Quentin's really up to out there. That little trickster. of strangeness. But, that little um, trouble child. Yes. <laughs> but that's my hip hop one. I was so excited when you were like hip hop. I was like, oh, I've got a segue <laughs> for this one. 
And then I have one last one. Trent Muller, it's one word, T-R-E-N-T-M-O-L-L-E-R. Yes. Just put out an album called Memoria. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like early 2000s indie Ladytron meets Cocteau Twins shoegaze era type pop. So if any of those words mean anything to you, I would say check it out. I usually listen to music when I'm writing something. It, lyrics will mess with me. So there's parts of this album that I skip over and I really enjoy the instrumental tracks yeah. and the feels of that. And when I say Cocteau Twins, I mean like the later poppy stuff, not like the early blood bitch stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's my jam. But this is sort of later. It's more lush it's more cozy i could see people putting this on on a sunday morning while they drink their tea and water their plants i don't Mm. know who those people are but Mm. pet their dogs sure probably Mm -hmm. i mean slowly pet them Mm -hmm. if you're gonna do some dusting or something i'm not your uh, sunday morning crossword puzzles yeah you're doing your wordle and you Mm -hmm. i don't even know what that is but i've seen people play (laughs) i've heard about it it's very simple okay great yes i'm so old i don't know where i am (laughs) right now your basement i thought i was here and then i forgot and then i'll take over for i'll take over from here (laughs) yeah it's perfect Now, I really like Trent Muller. His first album, Everybody yes. Went Ape Shit For, because yeah. it had that kind of lush, techno, dubby thing to it. Yes, um, but it sounds like he hired somebody, or it turned into a band? It comes and goes, okay. it feels like. This is definitely more electronic and less. He had a couple albums that were more like raw drums, the more full front bass, like when you're thinking of Gang of Four or something, yeah, but yeah. Like slower. Got that lo-fi kind of vibe, and this is definitely more synthy and lush. Okay. But it's for someone looking for something cozy and definitely the opposite end of the spectrum of Freak Angel. <laughs> That's for you. I'm trying to be more diverse because yeah. I noticed on a couple of the new release late returns, I was just talking about one style of music. I listen to a lot of different stuff, yeah. so I was just trying to mix it up. But That's it, and which brings us on to games. Ooh, let's do it. I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> what games are you playing, Brady? I've been playing one of the best games of all time. I'm only 10 hours in, but it's Elden Ring, developed by From Software, makers of Dark Souls and Bloodborne, my right. favorite video game. Sekiro, some people, that's their favorite. That's my least favorite. I hate those people. <laughs> no, teach their own. But Elden Ring, it was made with a bit of a backstory from George R. R. Martin. So instead of writing books, he's helping Japanese video game companies with their backstories. Anyway, this is the best retelling of a Dungeons & Dragons mm, okay. campaign. It's like mixing that with... Did you ever play Breath of the Wild? Zelda? Legend of Zelda? No, but someone was just talking about that. Okay. What makes that game unique is the open world is very bespoke, right? Every area feels very handcrafted. Mm. And a lot of open world games like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, etc., it's like you pull up the map and it's just like waypoints and icons all over the map. In the case of Elden Ring, yes, there's a map that you can pick up, but it's so diverse and every area is unique that you'll stumble into things find surprises and then you'll get your ass kicked and you'll be like yeah i'll move on to the next section and all of a sudden it's bats and eagles with knives in their talons and ogres and giant sentinels and crazy shit so for example the best experience i've had with this game so far was i went to this broken out cathedral and there was a bunch of humans that had kind of turned into zombies that were like praying to the sun or this like spirit tree out in the distance so i went in there and snuck up behind him and stabbed him in the back then i went into this broken down cathedral's basement and i walk up to this treasure chest and there's messages that are on the ground that players can write that other players heard can about see. This. Yeah. And so somebody had written a message that said, be wary of this chest. I was thinking, yeah, fuck you. You're just trolling me. And I opened the chest and it was a teleportation trap. And I got teleported to some obscure land far away that was full of poisonous creatures and crystal wizards and giant crows that were killing me. And it felt very anxiety inducing. Oh. 
So I was like, I'm going to turn this game off right now because I just got off work and I think I need to pick up this game on the weekend when I go up to my wife, kiss her on the head and say, I'll see you in like four to six hours. Yeah. But it's very immersive. It's hard as shit. So it's not accessible to everybody. But I really like hard games and this game is incredible. I have a question about the birds with the daggers. Yeah. Are they forging their own daggers or is there a bird store that sells daggers? And if so... Do they have coin purses? And follow-up question, who makes bird money? <laughs> <laughs> I think Ghostmen. Okay. Ghostmen are in the quarries That's making the swords. That's a good answer for me. With things. the ogre smiths. I don't, I don't know. Ogre smith. Yeah. He, that was my gym teacher in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mr. Smith. His first name. There was a gym teacher in my school. His name was, no joke, Harry Pitts. No. Yes. Yes. I he didn't you even know. have a choice. No. Thank goodness social media didn't exist. He was like named into the caste system. I know. (laughs) They're like, this is what you're going to be. And you know that he got ridiculed all the time. Probably doubled and tripled down and was like, no, this is my name. God damn it. The pits have a a dynasty. (laughs) Sweaty, stinky (laughs) dynasty. Wow. That's amazing. I am playing Dying Light 2 still. Yes. And I love it. I am not very good at it, but mm. I do enjoy it. I get super nervous and sweaty constantly. Uh, I'm bad at climbing puzzles, <laughs> and this game is made of them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having a great time. How far are you down the skill tree? Pretty far. Nice. Yeah, gotten a lot of skills. I think there's maybe three I don't have right now. Mm. I have so much. But every time I put the game on, I have to remind myself, like, okay, to run through the zombies, I have to hold L1 and then this thing. Yes. Because it's two to three combo, usually two, I think. And I forget what they are all the time. My one complaint about the game is that once you get the wall running perk, Mm -hmm. you'll sometimes wall run when you're trying to jump to something. Uh, I will anyway, and I'll just wall run myself right off a building. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, there's no real penalty for dying, so I think that that's nice. If you die at night, you lose some XP, but like, meh. You don't lose all your stuff and then have to go back and pick it up, like in some games where it's just like, ugh. Yeah, I put in about 20 hours before Elden Ring came out, and then that totally just obliterated right. I didn't any even, hopes of Dying Light 2. Until you said what Elden Ring was a game, I didn't even know what it was, because I knew that there was a Lord of the Rings TV show coming out, Yeah, and the ads for the Elden Ring thing was like an eye blinking, and by then I was checking out of it, so I was just like, oh, this is that Lord of the Rings show that yeah. I won't watch, and then found out it's a game. Yeah, so I original IP. Who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah, I know. In the world that we live in today. (laughs) Yeah, I played Dying Light 2 for a number of hours, and most of them were cooperative, which I found to be really fun. Unfortunately, the story progress is only in the host game. But I wouldn't recommend playing that game alone. Main reason why is the writing is not good. Yes. And so playing it with another person, you can laugh at it, and it's kind of like watching a bad, quote-unquote, bad movie. Oh, yeah, we just skip it. Yeah. Like, I'm always like, can we skip it? And JL's like, all right, because... Like I said to Josh, all they're going to do is tell you to go over and get the thing from the place. Like, yeah, that's yeah. all they have to say. I don't need the, oh, my brother. And, uh, and oh, you know what? Here's my other problem with the game. Aiden sucks. Yes, he does. He's a terrible character. The character yes. you play in the game, he whines constantly. Yes. He couldn't get knocked over more. He's constantly being knocked down and shoved yeah. to the ground and then waking up. It's like, I haven't played a game where you wake up more yes. <laughs> than maybe a game called Wake Up, where that's the only thing you're doing. Right. It's really ridiculous. And the voice acting, I think it may be Troy Baker who does all the big... Oh, yeah. Like, he did Uncharted. He did Last of Us. Sure. I don't know if it is, but it's got this kind of, like... No offense to him, but a smarmy... Yeah, it's a, that's how tone. it's written. I mean, he's just yeah. doing his job. But the whining about the sister constantly, yep. it's like, ugh, this... 
But the mechanics, very fun. So yes. I enjoy that part a lot. But just last night, we went into just get some more of those, whatever the containers are that um, mm-hmm. give you the skills. And, um, inhibitor. To that there it is, inhibitor. And I go into a room, we're speed running it because we're running out of nighttime. Uh, for anyone that doesn't play the game, you can go into buildings at night and there's less zombies, so it pays off. And at the very bottom of this one was a crazy giant ogre thing, which I'd <laughs> never heard or seen up until this point. So then I'm running around a room in the dark and there's like smoke or something, so I can't see very well just throwing UV bars and screaming. And this game will do that. There's just parts where you're just screaming to another person like, oh, no, 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 I missed the thing. I missed the thing. I'm going down to the thing. They're killing me. And it's just like, it's hilarious when that happens because you really are panicking and it's anxiety inducing. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. The mechanics definitely yeah. carry that game a long way. Yeah, but if anyone wants to jump from a car onto a zombie and bash its head into the ground, yes. there's a button for that. Mm-hmm. So it's there pretty is. great. Parkour challenges are pretty fun, too. I haven't done any of them because mm. I hate it. Oh, well, moving on. <laughs> but I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy all the puzzling aspects, but I'm just, I get so nervous ah. that I'm going to hit the button wrong. And it, the game, I will say, very forgiving. Yes. It's not like the game Remnant, which was my favorite game when you talk about difficult games, where that was not forgiving at all. Yeah. It really made you work for it. And then this, it's like, if you're kind of close, the game's kind of like, here you go, buddy. Yeah, you had a hard day. Hey, there you go. Yeah. You, you made it. Here's but that being said, the error on my part is what sends me flying off of buildings most. <laughs> but that's Dying Light 2. Which brings us to television. Anything you're watching TV-wise? Yeah, I picked uh, The Expanse back up. So I think we're on season five. Man, that show's complicated. I never watched it. What is it? So this is based on sci-fi book series, and it's like a geopolitical thriller set in space with different factions. This doesn't sound like something I'd watch. And it's complicated as shit. It's like... A lot of meetings? Is there a lot of space meetings? A lot of gritted teeth. Yeah. A lot of, like, this person's gonna get it. No, they're gonna get me. Why are they coming after me? Yeah, I'm not gonna watch that. I really like it, yeah. Yeah, First three seasons were on sci-fi, so everything looked like a 90s laser tag lobby. And then, you know, there had such a cult following that after they got canceled, Amazon bought it, and then all of a sudden, season four, the special effects exploded and have some of the best special effects in TV, just with all the cinematics or the environments, whether it's Mars or out in space or whatever. It looks great on a good TV, and they have six seasons, I'm on five, and it's getting to that point where I feel like it's coming apart at the seams a little bit, where I'm like, the pictures are just moving by my face, and I'm like, what are they? Right. Who? So there's a lot of rewatching of season recap YouTube videos, which is always a crapshoot. I don't know if you've ever watched those, but it's usually hobbyist people, and half of them are to be a jerk, drunken assholes who are just trying to... (laughs) pimp their channel for other things and it's i just i need a five to ten minute recap i don't need a 30 minute recap says the guy who does podcasts (laughs) that are longer than the actual movie (laughs) anyway yeah the expanse is really the only thing i've been watching because otherwise i just watch movies and here we are we're watching the marvelous mrs mazel yeah which is back there's just it's not that the show's the best show on the planet i think kevin pollack is great the writing is really good and the comedic timing of everyone involved and I mean, this season has a scene on a uh, Ferris wheel, which is pure joy. It's so great. The people arguing across a Ferris wheel. Oh, it's really good. But I mean, it's something we just put on at night. It's like low stakes. We don't really have to pay attention. And that's what television is for us. Mm -hmm. Just put it on and do your emails. Yeah. Idea of a recap is so crazy to me because I never know what's happening. I'll just turn to my wife and I'll be like, when did that person come into this? And she's like, three seasons ago. Like, what is it? And I'm like, (laughs) oh, all right. 
I love season one. I thought that it did a really good job of capturing yes. that old comedy seller. Lenny Bruce is a character in it. And the women's liberation comedy, I thought was really well done. So I don't know why I never continued with it. I think that's kind of normal for me is I'll watch all these shows and then I'll just stop. Not because I just forget. Yeah, same. I log every movie in my watch list, but I don't have a way to do that in TVs. Maybe there is like a TV version of Letterboxd, but still, I just forget. Yeah. And my wife reminds me all the time. Yeah, I forget too. If I hadn't turned the TV on and was thinking, is tonight the night I make my wife watch Tintorera? <laughs> <laughs> or are we going to watch that? I was like, oh, do you want to see this? And she goes, yeah, okay. And so I put it on. So there it is. Just so people know, it's back. And you can watch that. Which brings us to movies. Yes. Oh, boy. What do you got first? Iron Angels. This is the B-movie bingo. Oh, yes. AKA Midnight Angels. Right. 80s Hong Kong action riff on charlie's angels so for those who don't know b movie bingo in portland at the hollywood theater is a fun monthly series where they hand you a bingo card and on the tiles of the bingo card are various things that happen in the movie so it could be things like one that i'm particularly passionate about three mustaches at once on the screen people crashing through windows people falling on car roofs and on and on and on there's a lot of yes there's a lot of different tiles that you can cross off and if you get bingo they have different prizes usually kind of in the theme of the movie sometimes i wish it was just the movie i'm at a point where just watching a b movie or like a a quote-unquote bad movie yeah i'm okay with just the laughter of the audience i don't feel like i need the extra sensory are people shouting it out when it happens? Yeah. Or, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a little bit of a stinker on this one, but still, the energy was great. And yeah. I can't complain when a VHS copy is projected on a screen and there's hundreds of people in the audience watching yeah. old, obscure Hong Kong action <laughs> it's a movies. So, yeah, it's fun. And there's a lot of great scenes in it, one including a switcheroo with a mannequin that just looks like a paper mache outline with a yeah. smiley face. And it's like, ha ha, we tricked you. The woman's no longer in the car. Just goofy stuff. The ending is a lot of fun. And just like the movie we're going to be talking about tonight, the, yes. the fight scene at the end is a lot of fun. Yes. Agreed. My first is Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2022. Oh, I just having to hear it from everybody. <laughs> so I was thinking about what I'm going to say. And I'll just say for my experience growing up in the video store, each sequel of Texas Chainsaw Massacre would come out and I would watch it. And none of them were one or two which I like for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And it never ruined my life. I don't understand how we've gotten to a point where movies come out and people are like, this sucks, I hate this, if you like this, you're stupid, because it's like, none of that needs to exist. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't want more movies that have the same title as a pre-existing movie. Why isn't this just called Texas Chainsaw Massacre Small Town? Yes. That's my only thing. I don't care. I don't care that they have a bunch of plot lines that don't go anywhere. It's just a slasher movie. I don't even care that there's no cannibals in it. Yeah. I understand this is very different from everyone's previous Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, which the last ones have been not great. Mm -hmm. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D made me physically angry and (laughs) sick. When she slid the chainsaw to him and she's like, do your thing, cuz... She says this to Leatherface, and then people are like, good movie. And I'm like, are you insane? (laughs) Anyway, for this one, it's got two moments where I gasped out loud. And for me, that's worth the price of admission. When is the last time that happened for me? I couldn't tell you. A two-gasp film. A two-gasp film. And so I say, you know, watch it, check it out. The thing I love about movies is there's a sequence on the bus, which for me did not work. Mm -hmm. I didn't find it visually interesting. I didn't know why we were there. It seems silly and totally avoidable by most of the people on the bus. 
And I read other people where they were like, best scene in the whole movie. And I was like, this is why I love movies. Because one person's I don't really care for this can be someone else's absolute favorite thing in the world. So if you care to watch a Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out in 2022, watch it. It's on Netflix. Who cares? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But if that doesn't sound like fun for you, there's so many other things you could watch on Netflix, like Space Sweepers. I don't know what that is. It's really good. Oh, this is a segue. Okay. No, it wasn't at all. I just came to that right now. Okay. So Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we had Vaughn on my Winnipeg episode where he talked about it for about five to ten minutes. Yes. And the thing that I mentioned in my response to him, and I've been on record multiple times on our show as the grumpy Gus of like remakes, is that at least hide that it's a remake. So you you mentioned it kind of a little bit. I don't think it's a remake. Well, then don't use the name. Because they bring back Susan or whatever. Oh, I see. It's so it's in the universe. And yeah, it's, I don't whatever. That's it's the other thing lame. I hate. When did we get to string theory horror movies? Like, <laughs> why? I just think it's weird to pull something like that. And this mm-hmm. movie doesn't do that. It's not like, hey, we're gonna go to the farmhouse now. Now we're gonna go to this place. It's not doing this fan service thing with horror yeah, movies. Yeah. It basically is just John Wick with a chainsaw. Oh. That's the first time I've heard that. Oh, really? Just in terms of describing this, yeah. Okay, so in John Wick, they hurt his dog, and then he has to go dig his weapons out of where he put them. He's got a special skill set of killing people. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, how we have to say it now, they kill his mom. He goes to her room, breaks open the wall where his chainsaw is, and he kills everyone. It's John Wick with a chainsaw, but he's wearing his mom's face. That's the big (laughs) difference, everybody. We've jumped the shark. Yeah, they did. Leatherface as John Wick. That's what it is. Leatherwick. Oh my God. (laughs) But the one thing I do love about it, it's super short and Ah, it's not set up to be like, get ready for two and three. And then another one, two, three. It's Mm -hmm. just like, here's a movie. I don't know. Maybe you like it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not. I love that. I would rather have more one-offs than everything's got to be either a 10 hour miniseries or a triple feature. Right, right, right. Because the second movies, rarely, I feel like are a movie. It's just like, we got to get them to the next one where right, we get right, the right. money for the third thing. Yeah. It's just not, I don't know. How well said. Go. I agree with you about the concept. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. Oh, but, it's fine. It's yeah. not great, but it's a thing. So there you go. What do you got next? I got Genius, the Kanye trilogy. So oh, this is a really three-part documentary on Netflix. So And it's Kanye talking about Real Genius, the Val Kilmer movie? <laughs> no, this is Genius, J-E-E-N-Y-U-H-S. Genius. So this is directed by Kudie and Shike. They are music video directors slash documentarians who did a couple of 30 for 30, the ESPN film series and there's footage spread out over 21 years following kanye before his first album all the way up to his is that uh, a lot of him just going why are you following me (laughs) no actually he's like hey we're making a documentary so it was very much an intentional yeah we're gonna get some footage of me because i'm great and a lot of the footage actually was in his first music video through the wire which he wrapped through a wire his jaw was wired shut yes because he got in a car accident so yeah this is a really fun underdog story fighting to rise to the top and it kind of reminds you of oh yeah this is why kanye was huge and it's still huge obviously but yeah one of the top artists just in terms of popularity but yeah those first two episodes in particular are pretty great Mm -hmm. and his mom was an exceptional woman for those who don't know she died from elective surgery for liposuction had a heart attack in her 50s and she was a civil rights activist and she was Kanye's everything. And so after she died, that's when we got the new Kanye. Um, So the documentary does a good job of showing that switch flip where you can see his behavior. It just fractured something in his brain. 
So I don't know if it's going to be for everybody. I think the first episode or two could... Wait, is it not a movie? No, this is a three-part. Well, I mean, I guess a miniseries movie. Gotcha. It showed at Sundance as a movie. Okay. If you're into music documentaries, I think this transcends any of the weirdness that people have about Kanye, rightfully so, now, just with all of his various shenanigans, especially in the last three to five years. But recommend that. Genius. Genius. Yep. How do you spell that again? J-E-E-N-Y-U-H-S. Of course. Okay. Spelling bee over here. Uh, <laughs> I always flunked out halfway through. Oh, man. Genius. Okay. I got Suddenly in the Dark, a.k.a. Suddenly at Midnight. It's an erotic Korean horror film from 1981. It's on Blue from Mondo Macabre. A wooden doll and a maid. Pretty wild. It's very strange, very surreal, erotic horror. I don't really want to reveal much more about it. If none of those buzzwords really set someone in motion to go see Suddenly in the Dark, then it's probably not a thing for you. But if erotic Korean horror is your thing, Suddenly in the Dark is going to be there. I'm just going to keep that one short. Any other movies? Okay, great. I have two. Go for it. First one is called The Requin, which is from this year. It's Alicia Silverstone in a shark movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Heard about this on Colors of the Dark. And the next one is Swim, which is Joey Lawrence in a shark movie. I what? Both came out at the same time. The Requin is Alicia Silverstone and somebody in uh, the little... When you see those pictures advertising great places to vacation and there's just a walkway out into the ocean and then little palapas kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the storm carries off their little bungalow and they're in it. And the cover is a shark movie and the movie is not really a shark movie. It's a lot of just insufferable people not really in water. There's lots of questionable CGI there's a part where they're in the ocean and you're clear that they're not in the ocean. And you're just like, what is happening? When it finally does have shark stuff, not great. They're just standing in a warehouse in Yorba Linda. Yeah. In a, with, in, with like a green screen and someone moving a green blanket around them like waves. It's bad. And then swim. What do you think the inspiration for swim is? Swimming. Close. Crawl. The movie where an alligator gets into a house. Okay. Um, or crocodile swim is waves carry a shark into a house and then the shark's in the home and joey lawrence is there too oh inspiration a different movie i was thinking the activity i was oh, like oh sure sure no it's the movie crawl inspired the movie swim oh boy and it's asylum pictures speaking of sci-fi films for the sci-fi channel even i think they made transmorphers and things like that this is better than The Requin, is what I'm here to tell you. Okay. It's very hard to kind of watch. The editing is kind of choppy. It definitely feels rushed in places. But everyone's trying to do their best, and I applaud that. And there's actually shark stuff. Whereas The Requin, the whole time we're sitting there going, this is more about them not having water than it is uh... a shark movie. And this says sharks. So if you have to watch a shark movie, I would recommend Swim over The Requin. But if you want to have an evening of questionable delights, watch both. Which brings us to our late return. Boy, here we go. This is Undefeatable from 1993. Our director is Godfrey Hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A.K.A. Godfrey Ho. That stars Cynthia Rothrock, Don Neum. Yes. And John Miller. The synopsis is, with the help of a detective, a martial artist hunts down a serial killer. Sure. Yeah. Kinda? Sure. Okay. Or another synopsis is, a crazed lunatic is <laughs> on the hunt for every redhead in a floral dress. Mm -hmm. This also is the same movie. I don't know if it's so much about detecting as much as it is roundhousing. Oh my gosh, yes. Let's just start wherever you would like to start with Undefeatable from 1993. I mean, we got to start just at the very top, <laughs> yeah. right? I don't even know how to handle this very beginning part because this is a very goofy and silly movie. 
with about 15 to 20 minutes of really intense domestic yes. abuse. Yeah, it makes the movie so hard to enjoy. And the soundtrack is so over-the-top serious yes. that if this had rockin' 80s vibes, people would have, I think, talked about this all the time. But it is so dead serious, yes. which is part of what really, I think, makes me love certain parts. I do want to say a warning for people before you watch Undefeatable. It does have domestic violence and a rape situation. I yes. mean, I was tiptoeing around it but it's there and i'll be honest with you the two times i watched the movie this week i fast forwarded through that part. Mm. i don't watch that scene i get it i get what they're doing i wished it wasn't there i wished he maybe just hit her with the steak yeah because he's cooking a steak during the scene and i think you could have done something wacky and wild and i wish it wasn't what we were seeing at that point yeah, I understand. I think that I was along for what it was trying to do about 30 to 40 minutes in because mm. the first 10 to 15 were these street fights with all these absurd gangs of 40-year-olds. Oh my gosh. You know, and then yeah. it had this domestic abuse scene. And so I was like, I have no idea where this is going. And I not admired. I mean, that's a... It's not the right word, but it's... Yeah, for the storytelling, that yeah. it's Godfrey Ho, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So here we... It's we, a straightforward movie. Yes. So <laughs> Kind of. I mean, he's not cribbing anything from other films. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, I was okay until the second part towards the latter half when it, it comes back and I was like, okay, like... Oh, yeah. Are we roundhousing or are we getting <laughs> into mother-son dynamics here? Oh, my God. Okay, so the way that this thing unfolds is so crazy. It starts off with this shot of the psycho killer guy's wife, and she's talking about how Paul used to be a good man, but he's involved in these death matches. And then we get shots of Paul, who has the craziest mullet maybe yes. on screen ever, and he kills Agreed. a man with his elbow. It's a choice. And, um, yeah, that's the opening scene before we get the Cynthia Rothrock fight scene in an alley which is being paid for by someone f to what end? I don't know. Yeah. The but, Blues Brothers band. Just the way people are dressed, like yes. there's Nasty Boy and Nasty Girl, oh, yeah. with have, which have hats with I, metal plates that say Nasty Boy and I Nasty Girl. I want a hat that says Nasty Girl. Yeah. Cynthia Rothrock first fights a man who's wearing jeans <laughs> over a champion sweatshirt. <laughs> and it is insane that there's Godfrey's kind of out of his element in a couple parts like this where he's having them clap and stomp their feet in unison and yeah. the audio is so off. Yes. It's like totally out of unison. Yes. And the whole fight sequence, you might be thinking, I said that Cynthia is involved in death matches. No, she's in not. If you touch the ground, yes. it's over matches, yes. which I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know if that was every single match she was in or if that was just the random rule. Saying, okay. Okay. Because they're like, and if your hand touches the ground, you're out of here. And you're like, all right. It's a flag football so of, bizarre. of street fighting. Kind of low stakes, really. Yeah. yeah. Now, for anyone who challenges Dirk on the mullet and says something like, oh, what about Jean-Claude Van Damme's mm. mullet and hard target? No, no, no. Oh, you yeah. don't understand. The volume on this mullet, it's like a Brillo pad that has been baking in the sun for too yes. long. It's groomed on the sides it quite is. nicely. Yeah, kind of so. tight on the side. Yeah, it's uh, one of a kind, I would say. And the thing that really sells it is the insane intensity of the man's face who's wearing this mullet. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's so balls to the walls crazy. Yeah. It is unbelievable. But yes, then we get to the part where he assaults his wife while she's cooking a steak. And then he comes home with flowers for her because it's showing this abusive cycle. And he goes so quickly from, I brought you some flowers, to, if you're hiding from me, I'll break your fucking neck. Yeah. And you're like, Whoa. Yeah, that was... 
And she wrote a letter and she leaves. We never see her again, I don't think. And she leaves his mom's pendant to him. Right. Which kind of implies that he gave it to her. Right. So um, that he can also, call her mom. Right. Because I think she wrote it in the letter or the scene right before when she's like, you can't call me mom anymore. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Which I then quickly forgot about. I was just like, okay, whatever. And then when it comes back, I was like, oh no. He then sprays red stripes in his oh, mullet. Oh yeah. This is so good. <laughs> so this is his like, oh shit, got real spray painted uh, mullet his mullet has like fenders on it racing stripes he just does it in the mirror and he looks so insane and so intense and you're just like but this isn't intense this is bizarre you know his face was morphing throughout the movie to me but at one point it was like if elijah wood was much older and like hopped up on meth or something okay but yeah, he's got similar facial mm-hmm. features and I eyes. What you say in there? Maybe I'll suggest to Elijah to be him for Halloween. <laughs> Three people know who it is. Yeah. And one of them's David that played the character. We next get the car park death scene where he just is seeing women and being like, you're Anna. And then he beats the crap out of this guy and kicks him out of the car park onto a car. But before that, he rips his eyeballs out. Oh, that's true. He does rip his eyeballs. And you actually see, like, the meat fly. Yeah, that's true. It's pretty great special effects. Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about eyeballs getting ripped out. Then we meet Big Bear, who's got giant shoulder pads. Yeah, that just made me upset, because it's like, he's cheating. It's so obvious that he's cheating, and everyone's allowing him to cheat. Yeah, he should have had pads over his eyes. (laughs) That would have been a good thing. Big Bear gets killed by a throat grab that we learn is the eagle claw. Yes. Because there's... Street gangs of 40-year-olds in this movie. Now, so there was three different claw techniques. There was the eagle, the snake, and the dragon, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So there was a martial arts expert at one point who made sure to methodically tell us the key differences. And his explanation was like, eagles do the claw punch grab, and the snake does the punch claw grab. And so can't you see the difference? I'm like, no, I can't see the difference. These are the exact same martial arts. So I wrote down in my notes, eagles pluck. (laughs) So like, I don't, I don't, that's probably what they were going for. Then we get our first training montage and it's glorious. There's three training sequences that we get. We get John Miller's training sequence. We get Cynthia Ross Rocks and then we get David's. Maybe not in that order, but they're all individual showcases. And I love that about this movie that it's like there's parts where Godfrey Ho is so into what he's seeing in the camera that there's parts where they're just standing and looking crazy with Mm -hmm. weapons and nothing's happening. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a movie, people. Yeah, so the training montage I liked the most was the John Miller one. So he starts out with the bow staff. Yes. I'm a big fan of bow staffs. Oh. Know, Donatello was my favorite Ninja Turtle. Okay. I just like anyone who can use a blunt object to beat people with blades. It just is like the ultimate fuck you. Yeah, the fact that he's wiggling this giant stick around and then is like doing roundhouse ballet. Yes. Because he's not really kicking. It's more like mm-hmm. I'm jumping up and twirling my leg up into my hand. Yes. To show how high and how fast I can twirl. It's really good. I really like Cynthia Rothrocks because she's just in someone's yard and she has the sword hook things that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And it's like she keeps doing these poses and tumbles and it's really something. And then John Miller just walks up like, May. It's like, all right, I would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, because it ended with her, right before he walks up, it ended with her doing the splits and then twirling on the ground with the splits and just like twirling 180, splitting the entire time. By this point in the movie, I was like, 
why isn't anyone talking about this movie all the time? The last fight sequence people know in circles of action movies or whatnot, because it's crazy. But without all the setup about eyes, it's crazy. But once you know that the killer is actually after people's eyeballs, it makes his death so insane that they were like, well, this has to happen. Right, right, right. right. But we then meet the crate guy who is like a cat. He's kind of a cat. Yes. And he loves jumping on crates and stuff. And these girls are so into him jumping on crates and stuff. And my favorite is when he catches an apple and crushes it. And they go, whoa, cool. (laughs) Again, 40-year-olds. They're all old. So bizarre. And there's so many of them. There's literally six gangs of people all with their own iconography or way of dressing that it's like, do I need to bust out a piece of paper to Mm -hmm. draw the relationship and the factions like the expanse this has the same complexity <laughs> okay i'll give it a as try. <laughs> the geopolitical struggles of the expanse no everything is also said matter of factly there's right. no extra anything said there's no times where you're like well they didn't need to say that because they're all saying everything they find a dead person in a porta potty and he's like the person's fully clothed by the way and has no eyes and they're like looks like they were sexually assaulted and uh <laughs> something and you're just like wait what how did you even You didn't even investigate. You just walked up and saw it. It's so crazy. It is very crazy. One of my favorite lines, Cynthia Rothrock's sister is kidnapped and murdered and her eyes are plucked from her face. So Cynthia Rothrock has to go identify the body, which is ridiculous. And so she goes and she brings John because why not? So they go in and (laughs) the morgue people are like, this isn't going to be easy. And then they just show her the face of her sister without eyes. And Cynthia cries and leaves. And so John goes to her and he says, I was worried about you. You stormed out of the morgue. And I'm like, stormed out of the... Everyone would storm out of the morgue if you showed, like, here's your dead loved one with no eyes. The (laughs) fact that he can't piece it together, he's the worst detective. Totally. He's like, I couldn't get the clues of what you're putting out here, but uh, was that not fun? You didn't enjoy that? (laughs) Oh, it's weird. I felt like he and his partner, Mike, were probably the weakest links because they, in terms of script... Oh, okay. I like that you thought about that. <laughs> First of all, they look exactly the same. And True. second of all, they have like no chemistry and None. they're just like waiting for their lines. Or, like, Nobody you know, has like, chemistry yeah, in this movie. Everyone's just waiting for the other person to stop talking. Yep, that's the movie. <laughs> and then there's serious music over the top of that. Yeah. My other favorite scene was, one of my favorites is where John's sitting at a, a table just shuffling around pictures of eyeless women. And he's just like, ah, I just don't know what the signature is. And you're just like, well, there's 30 ladies without eyeballs. I mean... They all have brown, reddish hair. I can do this job, John. What? You just watch him shuffle the pictures frustrated. Like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. It's very confusing because on the flip side, you have anastherapist who just so happens to be a redhead. And so she gets involved with the solving of the murders by psychoanalyzing the killer. Right. And because she looks this way lures or hypnotizes she plays the plays it she pivots in one scene that i thought was pretty crafty yeah and that was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. i have to admit that script was pretty clever there Mm -hmm. at least to me no i mean i didn't expect it at this point we then get to another one of my favorite scenes the eyes in the fish tank yeah at which point stingray is the name of the killer at one point they're like he's pretty tough that's why they call him stingray and i was like all right, well, that's sort of a stretch. But he goes to investigate his buddy Stingray because he's not showing up for a big fight that's coming up. Yeah. He's got to be in this death match. He's like his bookie. Yeah, his bookie guy. So he finds this fish tank full of ladies' eyeballs, and he says the line, 
why does Stingray have eyeballs in a fish tank? Like, he's just saying what we're seeing. It's so weird that he's saying it out loud. <laughs> and then also, like, we, we get it. <laughs> but he calls him Stingray the whole time. <laughs> and I think he's the only one who calls him Stingray. Everyone else is like, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cynthia Rothrock says Stingray at one point, I think. But that's it. That's just when she's giving some exposition about how dangerous he is. Mm. We then get the insane weapon poses where styrofoam peanuts cascade through. <laughs> that was dope. It's so good. That was dope. Did that remind you of something? Remind me of a lot of things. Lady Snowblood for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, they are trying to pre-Quentin Tarantino before Tarantino did it in Kill Bill. Wouldn't it have been awesome if Quentin Tarantino had been like, that's not from Lady Snowblood. It's (laughs) from the Godfrey Hall movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I was just looking at those two, uh, Snowblood 1 and 2 on Blu-ray the other day. I was Mm -hmm. like, I should probably just own that. Yeah, I was looking at them too. Oh, today. Interesting. After seeing that scene and being like, I should own these. Yes. Oh my gosh, I watched a scene on YouTube right after that and I was like, yeah, I gotta buy this. The insane weapon poses turn to fight, and the hook swords are back in play. Yes. A ninja sword comes out. It's really, really fun. And then it quickly turns to a gun battle. So we get a little bit of everything in this yeah. smorgasbord of action. Which brings us to the end fight, which is the one thing that people talk about, which is crazy because there's a fish tank full of eyeballs. Right. <laughs> there's all these montage scenes or the training sequences. I just think this movie is so wild and the dialogue, I get goosebumps thinking about just how ridiculous some of the lines are that people are saying so seriously. I wish that there was supplements for the movie that I could know. What was the vibe like? What is it like working with Godfrey Hall where there's a narrative, like a clear, because it's different than Clash of the Ninjas or Crocodile Fury where he's taking different things and smashing them together to be like, this is a movie. Yeah, This was like... I have a script. And he did. Was it Bound for Glory? Was the other Cynthia Rothrock one? I think he did in 2003. Honor and Glory. Honor and Glory. Honor and Glory. Homeward Bound is the other movie. (laughs) Uh, She's great in that. He did those two movies, I think, almost back to back. And so now I have to rewatch that because I don't know if when I watched it, I was in the right ho zone, if you will. (laughs) Which is my new podcast. That's That's, that's the shelf over here. Yes. Oh, this is the ho zone. All Godfrey ho all the time. Dirk is pointing to a shelf where it's... (laughs) How many movies of his do you have over here? Oh, well, I have a couple that are eight on a disc. Eight on a disc. (laughs) Yeah. I only have 20-something of the 100-something. All right. So Believe the ho- me. The ho zone can grow. It's going to grow. Oh. I'm going to have a growing ho zone for sure. <laughs> there isn't a night that passes where if I'm having a beer or something and I'm on the couch that I don't peruse a Godfrey Ho DVD on eBay and think like, you're in deep. I could probably just pick this one up too. Oh no. Yeah. When is it a problem? Do you need a friend to check in on you in case it gets out of hand? I don't think it's a problem until okay. I get duplicates. That's the thing. Ah. That's when I would be like, okay, I can't have an adult beverage and be shopping anymore because <laughs> I bought two of Catman in Boxer's Glove. Why? Have you seen that one? No. Oh my God. Okay. I'm sending a link. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It's another one that's like parts of things mashed together. But when you get to the final sequence, whoo boy, is it a treat. But why do you have duplicates, though? Oh, I don't. I'm just saying. Oh, once I get to that point, not that I bought the new Alligator Blu-ray twice, but maybe there's a giveaway in the future of the Alligator <laughs> Blu-ray from VHS. So the final fight, 
We have the man with the killer coiffed hair. He's got a knife that has those spike knuckle grips. Yeah, I wasn't sure what those are called. I don't know, but it's amazing. And then there's so much slow face punching, which is is so good because... <laughs> When John's getting punched in the face, he clearly doesn't want it to happen. Yes. It's really great. Yes. There's shirts ripping off. That has to happen. Cynthia Rothrock is in a sling, and she's fighting. Listeners, I'm curious if you know why men like to take their shirts off when they fight. That is a thing. I know that, especially in New England, people do it. I've seen lots of different World Star videos. So please send Dirk an email explaining why or a voicemail as to why people do this. I'm not a fighter so much so that I like to wear lots of clothes. So that if there's anybody, somebody's like, is Dirk going to fight? People be like, he's got a lot of layers on. I think he's pretty far from it. There's zippers and buttons involved. No, he's not going to fight anybody. Wouldn't that be awesome, though, if like, you did end took up fighting sh- somebody? If just I like... took my shirt off, people would be so confused <laughs> as to what that was supposed to mean. Each layer takes like a minute, so yeah. it's like three minutes. Just really angry? Yeah. <clears throat> Unbuttoning a shirt. Just like... You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know someone who, and I won't say his name on air, but he told me that when he gets mad, he takes his shirt off. I don't get it. I don't know. I want to get it. That's not a judging question. No. I'm, it's just a an innocent, neutral bewilderment. There's things that are outside of my brain. Like I can't conceive of it. There's just probably lots of things that are facts and conceptual things. But And that's one of those things that like you hear it and I go, I don't know a way inside of this idea. Mm-hmm. Like Clearly it's a thing. There's videos. Lots of people do it. But men sure like to fight shirtless. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a fear-inducing nipple thing or... yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably that. I'm really good at figuring things out, though. So they just like bust out a thing of Crisco and they start lathering themselves yeah. up, like Tom Hardy and Bronson. Yeah, oh, yeah. One of my favorite sequences <laughs> on cinema. It's really our good. version of taking our shirts off in a fight is subtweeting. Is it? Yeah, I'm just gonna lump you into what I do. Okay, I don't think I've ever subtweeted, or maybe I am, and I don't know I'm doing it. What's a subtweet? It's when you are responding to something you see, but you're not retweeting or actually responding to the tweet. And it's like a thinly veiled, oh, like okay. if, you, if you know, you know, kind of things where gotcha. it's like, oh, Dirk is responding to this completely different thing that I read because this other thing is blowing up or it's oh, yeah. a mutual follow. So there's a whole passive aggressive. tweeting. Interesting. Yeah. I try not to do any passive aggressive no, stuff. I'm... I don't even like to post negative opinions because... I don't want someone to comment on that, and then I'm stuck in this cycle of the bad feeling. I'd just rather honestly just move on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just me. But not from the end of this movie, which is bad ass. <laughs> so they keep fighting and sh- ripping shirts and sleeves and cutting each other. And By pipes, of course, because so everything many pipes. has to be an industrial. I mean, you get... No steam, though, just pipes. They spend all the money on those peanuts and everything. Styrofoam. Steam. Godfrey Hall, our steam budget. We just can't make it. The peanuts are the hose zone. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know you're it, in the hose zone. Make a choice. Peanuts in the hose zone. There's my new shirt. Long story short, if you're going to defeat this guy, you're going to do it one eye at a time. So he gets blinded and hung up on a hook, which he dangles through his, his eye socket. And he just goes up into the sky, basically. <laughs> and then they agree that everyone should go to college. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, they high-five over her sister's uh, Grave. gravestone. Yeah. yeah, and and it's like... it's, But it's revealed that everyone gets to go to college. Because of street fighting money. What? <laughs> Was this even about? And then it ends and they're just like, go to college. And you're like, I guess if you're 40 and you 
You aren't in college, you're in a street fighting championship? <laughs> the movie's funded by some obscure university. It's so wild. If you look at the production credits. Right. It's all put on by DeVry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could be a VCR technician. Excellent. 93 is looking up for me. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. That's all I have for Undefeatable. What about yourself? Any final thoughts? No. We're good. We did it. Yes, we did. Okay, great. Well, Brady, thank you so much for coming on for this episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we did it. We talked about a very intense film and numerous other subject matter. Solid Six Podcast, solidsixpodcast.net. Yes. Um, head on over there. There's some great, great episodes. I've heard every single one. Uh, I've heard them all. Thank you. I've heard all of them. I'm really great on there. Anyway, uh, I'm... You are really great. <laughs> Super Dark great. is on the I Saw the Devil episode. Yes, and... God told me to. Yes. Very fun. Very fun. As always, I'm Dirk Marshall, and this has been VHS Presents New Releases and Late Retro. <laughs>